So uh, take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 39. Psalm 39. You know, we're starting a brand new sermon series today, and it's called Measure My Days. It comes straight out of Scripture, and we'll show you that in just a moment. But we're talking about uh, the, the fact that this has the potential to change our lives in an incredibly, incredibly big, real way. We're going to examine how our lives could be different if we lived in the reality and recognized the truth that our time here on earth is very, very limited. Um, there's this funny story, and I'll tell it again. You've probably heard about the, the man and his wife. The man was very sick, and they went to the doctor, and uh, the uh, doctor examined the husband and checked him out and then asked to speak to the wife alone. And so the husband excused himself, and the doctor told the wife, said, ma'am, your husband is very, very sick. It's a, he has a very serious disease, a very serious condition, but the good news is, is that it's treatable. And he said, um, and so what we're going to have to do is, you know, we're going to send him home. We're going to treat this disease, send him home, but you're going to have to take care of him. You're going to have to uh, make three meals a day, take care of him, make sure he doesn't have any stress, rub his feet, whatever you've got to do to make him happy for the next several weeks, you're going to have to do it. And I think he can overcome this terrible disease. And she said, well, uh, doctor, can I speak to my uh, husband for just a second? And, um, uh, and so sure. So the husband, I mean, the doctor called the husband back in, the husband came in and, uh, and, uh, looked at the wife and said, honey, what did the doctor say? And the wife looked her husband right in the eyes and what'd she say? You're going to die. Amen. <laughs> Look, I know you've heard that before and it's kind of funny, but it illustrates the truth that I've got news for you, honey, you're going to die. We're all going to die. Uh, it, it happens for all of us. And, and so um, unless Jesus returns in our lifetime, we're, we're going to die. And we're all going to. Matter of fact, in case you're wondering, and I, I, I looked this up for you. Look at this next slide. Look at this next slide. That is the day that I'm going to die. Amen? No. You may wonder how I came up with that date. I came up with that date uh, because of the Internet Looked it up. It's a thing called the death clock. You can look that up yourself. Uh, just Google death clock, and you answer a few questions. And then what it'll do is it'll give you the day that you're going to die. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of No. No, it's not fun. It's like watching Tennessee play football last night. Not fun. And dark and gloomy and sad and mad. You like it. All right. So that's the day. But the truth is... That stupid website doesn't know when I'm going to die, does it? It doesn't know when you're going to die. It doesn't know when I'm going to die. It doesn't know when any of us are going to die. I could live a lot longer than that stupid death clock says. I might not live that long. I mean, nobody knows when they're going to die. You don't know. I could die today when I pull out of that parking lot because you run me over because I've seen you drive. Amen? I could, catch can I could have cancer right now not know it for six months. I could have a heart attack watching Tennessee play football. You never know. I might get eaten alive by a rabid house cat. You never know what's going to happen. The truth of us, all of us, if we're really, really, really honest, we recognize life is short. Life is brief. If you don't believe, I know everybody that's got children believes me, right? You used to wipe that rear and now they grown, right? And it, how fast did it happen? Like that. Uh, look at this verse in your Bible, Psalm 39, verse number four. It says, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of 
of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Verse 5, indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but vapor. Selah. I'm sorry. Every time I see Selah in the Bible, that's how I say it, okay? Selah. Say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Selah. Uh, that's, that's biblical. I'm just all I'm going to say to you. Listen, go back to verse number four. I want you all to say this verse with me. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to make this your prayer this morning, this verse. Let's say it together and count of three. And don't whisper it like we did Selah, okay? One, two, three. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. In our hearts, we know that's true, but yet we live our lives as if we have unlimited time on earth and this will never come to an end. So what we want to do is we want to recognize and talk about this fact that our life is brief. It's like a vapor, but we want to live 100% in each moment for the glory of God. Matter of fact, James says this. Look at your notes. James chapter 4 verse 13 says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Listen, we want to make the most of the time that God has given us. Now, because I'm measuring my days, write this down. Number one, I need to understand that now is the time. Right now, today, this is the time. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I know there's been times in my life where I was almost, I call it wishing my life away, waiting and waiting. Now I'm saying when such and such happens, then my life will really matter. When this right here comes through, then I'll really be able to serve God. When this right here happens, then I'll finally be happy. I don't know how to play out for you, but I call it the, the win-thens, the win-thens. Look at this next slide. We tell ourselves, when this happens, then I will. When this happens, then I'll, look, when I, when I, you single people, when I get married, then I will be happy. Then all the married people laugh, right? Like, oh, you, you're waiting. Listen, listen, uh, one day when I, when I get out of debt, when I get out of debt, then I'll be generous. Uh, uh, when, when my career is established, then I'll have children. One day when the kids are grown, then I will work on our marriage. Whatever it is, when and then. The problem is the then almost never comes because you come up with a new win, right? You come up with a new win, right? You know, well, when I get married, we'll get back into church. You get married. Well, then when we have kids, uh, we'll get back in church because it's important for kids to be in church. You, some reason you don't think it's important for you to be in church. And so, well, you do. You're here. Amen. Thank you for being here. And so when we get married, then, then we'll get in church. Well, when we have kids, then we'll get, well, when the kids get old enough to understand, then we'll get in church. And then it's when the kids bring the grandbabies back home, we'll go to church. The then never happens because we always come up with a new Win. I don't know what your win then is, but we want God to turn our wins into now, right now. Because in case you haven't realized it yet, life is brief. It's literally flying by. Yesterday, I was 20 years old with a head full of jet black pretty hair. Amen. 
And now a couple of decades have gone by. And I've got, Scott one time, I saw Scott, and Scott said to me, I had shaved my, he goes, hey, man, did you dye your hair? I was like, what do you mean? No. He said, did you dye it? Jet bald. Amen. <laughs> Jet bald. Oh, I hate him so much. <laughs> Listen, life is brief. It's short. And maybe you're a driven, goal-oriented, maybe like this alpha personality, and you're missing out on the moments because you're always thinking about what's coming next. You're thinking about the next project, the next goal, the next thing that you need to accomplish, and you forget about living right now because you're always living in tomorrow. I struggle with this. Maybe my goal needs to be your goal, that no matter where you are, if you're with your wife, if you're with your husband, if you're with your babies, with your children, your grandchildren, if you're with your friends, no matter where you are, that you make sure that you're all there. And you know what I'm talking about. You know how you know when you're not all there? It's like when your wife is talking to you during the football game. Are you all there? Oh, you think, and you kind of think that you're all there, and like you're half here and half there, and then she stops talking. And then you wish you were anywhere else because you know that you weren't listening like you're supposed to. Anybody else? Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. Now leave me up here by myself. At least I heard everything you said, baby. I love you. <laughs> Listen, with everything in us, we want to be fully engaged in the moment that God has given us because the next moment is not promised. We're not promised another moment. With everything that you have, fully engaged. Turn that when into now. Start living now because soon life will be gone. Psalm 118 verse 24 says this. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day. Today. This day. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. This day. But some of you are waiting for something to happen before you will rejoice. And you see Christians all the time. They never rejoice about anything. Even when we're singing happy songs, they can't even smile. They're on the limit sucking committee. They are upset and miserable all the time. Every day's a rainy day. The sun never shines. Gloom, doom, Eeyore Christians all over the place. This is the day. Well, when this happens and this happens, I'll be happy. When this happens, I'll rejoice in it. And with this right, and the preacher's bald, and I don't like bald preachers, and the temperature, and the wind just, and Scott thinks he's funny. Those jokes are stupid. And I just, am <laughs> <laughs> oh, I that was just me, wasn't it? Amen. I'm sorry. I, I was, what was inside was coming out there for a moment. But listen, this is the day. If you're going to be happy, this is the day. If you're going to rejoice in this day, this is the day. If you're going to worship God, this is the day. If you're going to rejoice in what God has done in your life, today is the day because tomorrow won't ever come. This is the day. When needs to be now, this day, this moment, no guarantee for tomorrow. Rejoice and be glad in it. Embrace the moment wherever you are. Be all there. Proverbs 27 verse 1. Look at it in your notes. It says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Man, you might just think you've got something to be unhappy about today. And this could be the best day you've ever had compared to what might be waiting for you in tomorrow. This is the day. Be glad in this day and rejoice in it because your God is true and faithful and he loves you and he's shown it so many times. So thought number one, because I measure my days, I'm going to ask God to help me to understand that now is the time. Number two, write this down. Now is the time to act. 
Now is the time to do something. We're going to ask God to turn our intentions into actions. Because chances are, if you're like most people that I know, you've got really good intentions, right? Look at me, like you know, like you've got great intentions about life, like, but you just haven't gotten around to do them yet. In the first service, I talked about uh, thank you notes. I, I think about writing thank you notes all the time, and I never write them. Right? I think that was so sweet. You know, she was just, and she was so helpful. You know, I ought to just write her a note and say, thank you so much for being so sweet and helpful. I'll do that when I get everything else done. Hey, do you know what I'm saying? We have good intentions, but our intentions and our actions, they're separated. Look at, look at James again in James chapter 4, verse 17. And James says, therefore, to him to, who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And when you know that there's something good you're supposed to be doing and you don't do it for you, that is sin. Look at this next slide right here. In the Marines, um, uh, one of the things that you would do, we call it going on a hump, right? These force marches, these hikes, right? When you're like in a platoon or a company and you're stepping out, right? And one of the things is, is that when you do that, you want to stay close. You want to keep it tight. That makes it easier. It doesn't make you have to make you have to do all this extra work because what happens is this. One guy will get kind of tired. And you, you need to be right behind the guy in front of you. But he'll get kind of tired, and he, he's, you know, he's slacking up just a little bit, slacking up, and there's a space in between this guy and that guy. And sooner or later, a, a platoon sergeant, a drill instructor, somebody will come around and say, close the gap, close the gap, close, tighten up, tighten up. And then this guy's going to almost have to run to get caught back up. And what's going to happen to everybody behind him? They all have to run too. And so when this thing, like if you're doing 20 miles, it's hard enough but now because of some Yahoo that won't close the gap, you end up almost running the whole time like an accordion that's opening and closing, right? You can ask anybody that's been in the military, done any these kind of hikes, they'll explain to you what I'm saying is true. It's so much easier when we close the gap. Listen, your life will be so much more blessed if you close the gap between your intentions and your actions. You need to close the gap between good intentions, good godly intentions, and turn those into good godly right actions. Close the gap. What are the good intentions that God is wanting you to do, the things that God is calling you to do that you're not doing? Maybe God wants you to reach out to somebody that doesn't know Jesus and, and share the love of Christ with them. Maybe God wants you to connect with somebody. Maybe God wants you to appreciate somebody. Some, write that thank you card for once. Express your love for someone, to encourage someone, thank someone for something that they've done. Whatever it is, that good intention that God has given you, follow through with action. Close the gap. Maybe God wants you to go on a mission trip. Maybe God wants you to serve somebody sacrificially. Maybe God wants you to use your gifts in the church. Maybe God is calling you to start giving and tithing. Maybe there's someone that you've hurt, and God wants you to go and apologize. Maybe there's somebody that's hurt you, and you need to forgive them. What is it? What good intentions do you have that you're just not acting on? Close the gap. You're working so hard. Your conscience is wearing you out because there's a gap between your good intentions, your good godly intentions that God has called you to do and what you're actually doing. And so what's happening is God is convicting you with the Holy Spirit and you're just wearing yourself out. Close the gap. It'll be a blessing for you and everyone in your life. 
What do you need to say? What do you need to do? Now is the time to act. I've been with people, unfortunately, too often in the hospital when it's getting close to the end of their life, and many, many times you'll hear regrets. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have spent more time with the kids. Whatever it is, you don't want to do that. Good intentions with no follow-through. You have no idea what profound thing God wants to do in your life when you simply uh, do what he is calling you to do, what he's put on your heart. Be obedient. Look, this is a good, look at this next slide. This is a good phrase to live by. Never let the good go undone. Listen, there's some bad things we can leave alone. Never let the good go undone. For him to know to do good and not to do it, for him it is sin. Don't let the good go undone. Do it now, today, before the sun goes down. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 27. He says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it. When you have it with you, today is the day. Now is the time to act. Number three, write this down. Now is the time to act and surrender to Jesus. Now is the time. Today, now is the time. We're going to turn our whole heart towards God. The problem is today too many people are just kind of turning towards Jesus. How many of you get the flu shot every year? Are you, I know that's, this isn't exactly how it works, but don't they, when you, when you get a flu shot, they're basically giving you a little bit of the flu, right? I know, stop shaking your head at me. It's my illustration. Leave me alone. And so what happens is you get a little bit of the flu, and it's supposed to make you resistant to the real thing. Does that make sense? Resistant. I think too many believers have a little bit of Jesus, and it's made them resistant to the real thing, to surrendering their life all the way to Christ. What we have today in many churches around the world are people who've gotten just a little bit of Jesus. Just a little. Basically, we do this. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do my thing. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll tip my hat to Jesus. I'll wait. Hey, Jesus, look at me. I'm in church. I might give an hour. I might give a dollar. I might do something nice and pretend like I'm doing it for Jesus. Hey, Jesus, you know, I'm over here. Just a little bit of Jesus. Just enough of my life to feel good about my morality, but not enough in my life to make any real life change in my life. I'm going to do my own thing, go my own way. Got a little bit of Jesus. Just enough to keep me from really knowing him. Just enough to keep me from really trusting him. Just enough to keep me from really truly serving him with all of my heart. Life is short. Jesus has given us everything. Now is the time to act and surrender to Jesus. There's nothing better that you could do right now. You don't even have to wait for the invitation. Right now, in your seat today, you could just surrender right there. You could say, Lord, I don't want to live with the sin that's destroying me. I want to surrender my life to you because you are the only one who can give my life meaning and purpose. I want to live for you now so I can live for you forever in the future. I want to know you, your truth, your power, your grace, your love, your mercy. I want to surrender my whole heart, my whole life to you, not just a little bit, all of it. And there's this story that we're going to look at, and it's in the Gospel of Mark, and it's always kind of gripped me. One time Jesus was talking uh, with some people, and, and one of the guys asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, what's the number one biggest commandment? What's the most important one? And Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the, the second one is like it, to love your neighbor like yourself, right? And, it's, uh, and then there's this one guy standing there, and he's like, well, Good job, Jesus. <laughs> he didn't say that. He was like, that's right. That makes sense. That makes sense, Jesus. Yeah. And then Jesus looks at this guy, and I think Jesus recognized that this guy knew about God in his head but not in his heart. And Jesus said some words to him that scare me to death for you. Mark chapter 12, verse 34. 
It says, now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Say not far on the count of three. One, two, three, not far. You know how far not far is from the kingdom of God? It's too far. The distance is too great. It doesn't matter how close you are. If you're not in, you're not in at all. You're not in a little, a smidge, just a tad. You're not in at all. And he says, this guy is not far from the kingdom of God. And that's what scares me for some of you guys because you might be here this morning, pretty, you're kind of a moral person. You know stories about Jesus. You know things about God and, and you're a good you know, kind of person and you're not far from the kingdom of God, but you're not in it. There's a big, big difference. You are not far. The scariest words that have ever been said. You are not far. It's almost like you know enough to not surrender. You know just enough about Jesus that you feel right about yourself morally somehow, but yet in your heart you know that you're not in the kingdom of God. You're close, but you're not there. And that's one of my greatest fears for so many people uh, that you're just, you're not far from the, I almost wish that you were far. Remember the, the church in Revelation chapter three? He says, you're not hot, you're not cold. I wish that you were, I'm gonna vomit you out of my mouth. It had been better for them to be freezing cold so they would know they didn't weren't in a right, right relationship with God or burning up so they were passionately involved in the kingdom of God. And so for you this morning, it might would be better if you're really far from the kingdom of God and you could at least recognize the difference. But my fear is, is that you're sitting here this morning and you're not far. You're really stinking close, but you're just not there. Now is the time to act and surrender to Jesus because tomorrow is not promised. You don't really know the glory, the power, the truth, the majesty, the grace, the mercy, the love of Jesus. You're not far. You got a little bit of Jesus, and that's causing you to just ignore who he really is. Now is the time to act and surrender to Jesus, not tomorrow. That's why you need to turn your whole heart to him, because tomorrow may not come. We can't expect tomorrow to come. You can't wait. Your when and then needs to become right now. You need to start living now, you need to fix those relationships now. You need to live in the moment now. You need to enjoy yourself and the people that God has put in your life now. But most of all, you need to turn your whole heart to Jesus Christ because if you're not far from the kingdom of God, you are just far enough to spend eternity in hell. You need to turn your whole heart to Jesus. And some believers are like that. There are some people that you are in the kingdom of God and you are saved. But for whatever reason, since that time of salvation, you've allowed your heart to turn from God and turn to the things of this world. And you're living as if tomorrow is going to come. You're living as if this life goes on forever. It's not this life. It's eternity. It will last forever. And if you're a believer, you're spending eternity in heaven. If you're not a believer, if you're not far from the kingdom of God, you're going to bust hell wide open and you're going to spend eternity there. It scares me to death for you. You need to turn your whole heart to Jesus and you need to do it now. That's how we measure our days. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, remind us just how brief this life is and how much worth and value we have in you. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed, we keep praying. Many of you are being honest right now. You're a believer. You've trusted Christ. You know that you're saved. 
you'd recognize in your life in so many different kinds of ways, in so many areas, you're not living the life that God has called you to. Man, you're just kind of numb and you're going through the, the process. You wake up, you go to work, you come home, you go to bed, you wake up, you go to work, you go home, you go to bed, and there's no real uh, significance or meaning in your life. Somehow, some way, you have turned your heart from God and you're not hot, you're not cold, you've got a little bit of Jesus, you're saved, you're in the kingdom. But you're not really living the life that God has called you to live. Or maybe you're playing the win-then game. You're, you're playing win and then. When this happens, then. And meanwhile, life is passing you by, man. Others of you, I mean, you're like me. You could, man, you've got some really good intentions. But you know you need God's help to close the gap between your intentions and your actions. There's some things that you've been planning on doing forever. Good things. Good things that God wants you to do. And you haven't done them. And right now the Spirit of God is convicting you. Listen, if that's you this morning and, and you just want to, you know that you're saved, but you just want to say yes to God. And you want to turn that win into now. God, I want your power to turn my good intentions into godly actions. God, I want to be fully surrendered to you as your child. I know that I'm saved. But I want you to have the glory of my life every moment, every moment. If that's your prayer, no, no looking, no, every head bowed, every eye closed. Slip your hand up so I can pray for all of us this morning, all over the sanctuary, all over the sanctuary. God bless you. Let's pray together. Father, God, just remind us again that every moment counts and that you brought us here for a reason to this moment. Lord, forgive us for our when and thens. Help us, God, to stop hoping our lives away. God, help us to stop thinking, Lord, when this happens, then I'll Make it now. And Father, help us to remember that this is the day. And you've given this day to us. And you're so good. And Father, that we will rejoice in it and be glad. Lord, help us to close the gap between our intentions and our actions. Lord, empower us to act while there's still time to act. Lord, show us who we need to reach out to who to forgive, who to apologize, where to go, what to do, what to say. Father, get us as we surrender to you to the end of our days and we can look back and not live with regrets. Lord, we just surrender our life to you. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. No looking around. Be respectful during this time. There's some of you this morning, if you were really, really honest, when I talked about not far from the kingdom, you knew that that was you. You knew in your heart. You're like, Jesus is talking about me there. You know it's you. Maybe you've got a little bit of Jesus around your life. You've been to church. You know the story. You know how to act like God is in your life. 
but you've never truly surrendered to him and received him as Lord and Savior. Oh, you've acknowledged him. You've tipped your hat at him. Maybe every once in a while when you really need him, you pray. But you know in your heart you're not far from the kingdom of God. And you also know that's not good enough. You need Jesus. You need to surrender. Look up for just a moment. Let me ask you a question. Are you really fully surrendered to Christ? Look at this next slide. Luke chapter 9 verse 23 says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. He says, let him deny himself. In other words, this isn't, uh, salvation isn't a little bit of Jesus. We surrender all of ourselves. We give up our hopes, our plans, our dreams for whatever God has in store for us, whatever Christ has in store for us. In other words, we come to Christ with empty hands. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And that, and what, what the amazing thing is, is when we come in surrender with nothing, all we, all we bring to the table is sin. And we repent and turn from our sin and we trust him to save us. We come empty-handed. We surrender our lives to him. And then that almost sounds bad. Like, oh, we have to give up everything to follow Jesus. And then what happens is when you give up everything, you deny yourself, you take up your cross daily, and you follow Jesus, then you realize that that's more than anything than you've ever had. It gives more meaning, more purpose. He gives you the Holy Spirit to live in your heart. You have resurrection power in your life like you've never had before. You think all of these little things that you're holding on to, this gives life meaning until you find the one who truly gives life meaning. There's no comparison. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Have you surrendered to Jesus fully? Now is the time to act and surrender your life to Christ. Are you like that man? You're not far from the kingdom of God. You need to ask Jesus to be the Savior of your life, to forgive you of your sin, forgive you for wasted years where you knew the truth and you've never applied it to your life. Forgive you for your selfishness, your sin, whatever it is. And just come humbly to Christ. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus. And I believe that you're the son of God. That you came, you were born of a virgin. You lived that perfect life that I could never live. You died that sacrificial death I could never die. And you're resurrected at the right hand of the Father right now. I believe that you're the Messiah. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, full-on surrender. You come and you do that, and he'll save you, man. You'll no longer be close to the kingdom of God. You'll be in it forever. And then, then he'll turn your wins into nows. He'll turn your good intentions into actions because you won't be doing it by yourself anymore. It'll be Christ in you. And that changes everything. Let's pray one more time. Let's pray. Listen, you're here this morning. You need Jesus. You need him bad. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking. And I'm not going to call you out, single you out, drag you forward or anything. I want to embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray with you. I just want to help you to take that step to trust Christ. And if you're sitting in that seat right now and you know that you need Jesus, and right now your prayer is simply, Jesus, I surrender. 
Save me, Jesus. That's your prayer this morning. Right there in your seat. No one's looking. Slip your hand up. God bless you. I see you. Who else? God bless you. God bless you. Three. Four. Who else? Five. Who else? Why don't you pray this prayer? Again, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's you denying yourself. In other words, just humbly coming before Christ and saying, Father, I'm a, say, I'm a sinner. I sin. I do dirt. I do stuff. I do it on purpose. And I turn from my sin, and I'm turning to Jesus to save me. Tell him, say, Lord, I'm putting my faith in your death, burial, and resurrection. Christ alone, Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Tell him, say, Lord, I'm trusting you according to your word. Save me. Listen, you pray there. The Bible is clear. Anyone who calls on the name of Christ will be saved. If you were sincere and honest with God and believed that prayer, he just saved you, and he did it for all of eternity. He's given you the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to make that decision public. Maybe you've prayed a prayer like that before and you've never followed through. Today's your day. The first thing that Christ asks us to do is this thing we call a believer's baptism. It's where you come and you get baptized. You can come forward this morning during the invitation. We'll schedule that for you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to celebrate with you. We'll schedule that time. But that's your public testimony saying, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Why don't you come and do that this morning? Maybe you've got your baptism on the wrong side of your salvation. You need to get that right. Come this morning. We'll rejoice with you. We'll schedule that time for you. Maybe God has called you to be a part of the Grace Baptist family. You know this is your church home, and it's time to make it official. Won't you come this morning and do that? God will honor that if he's calling you. Maybe this morning you just need to come to the altar and pray, man. There's somebody God has put on your heart. You need to come pray for them. There's some burden you need to come and lay down. Listen, the altar will be open. But whatever you do during this invitation, measure your days. Father God, we surrender this invitation to you. We love you. We're so grateful for everything that you're doing in our life. Lord, I just pray that your people will use this invitation for their good and your glory. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us?